suggested. The bridge meant a longer route, but avoided the tunnel's toll. She sat forward and tapped on the plexiglass, using her ring. Are you taking the bridge? He ignored them. Hey! And a moment later, they sped past the Queensborough turnoff. Shit! John cried. Where are you taking us? Harlem. I'll bet he's taking us to Harlem. TJ looked out the window. A car was moving parallel to them, passing slowly. She banged on the window hard. Help! she shouted. Please! The car's driver glanced at her once, then again, frowning. He slowed and pulled behind them, but with a hard jolt the cab skidded down an exit ramp into Queens, turned into an alley, and sped through a deserted warehouse district. They must have been going sixty miles an hour. What are you doing? TJ banged on the divider. Slow down! Where are— Oh, God, no! John muttered. Look! The driver had pulled on a ski mask. What do you want? T.J. shouted. Money? We'll give you money. Still silence from the front of the cab. T.J. ripped open her Targus bag and pulled out a black laptop. She reared back and slammed the corner of the computer into the window. The glass held, though the sound of the bang seemed to scare the hell out of the driver. The cab swerved and nearly hit the brick wall of the building they were speeding past. Money! How much? I can give you a lot of money! John sputtered, tears dripping down his fat cheeks. T.J. rammed the window again with the laptop. The screen flew off under the force of the blow, but the window remained intact. She tried once more, and the body of the computer split open and fell from her hands. Oh, shit! They both pitched forward violently as the cab skidded to a stop in a dingy cul-de-sac. The driver climbed out of the cab, a small pistol in his hand. Please, no! she pleaded. He walked to the back of the cab and leaned down, peering into the greasy glass. He stood there for a long time, as she and John scooted backwards, against the opposite door, their sweating bodies pressed together. The driver cupped his hands against the glare from the streetlights and looked at them closely. A sudden crack resonated through the air, and T.J. flinched. John gave a short scream. In the distance, behind the driver, the sky filled with red and blue fiery streaks. More pops and whistles. He turned and gazed up as a huge orange spider spread over the city. Fireworks! T.J. recalled reading in the Times, a present from the mayor and the U.N. secretary-general for the conference delegates, welcoming them to the greatest city on earth. The driver turned back to the cab. With a loud snap, he pulled up on the latch and slowly opened the door. The call was anonymous, as usual, so there was no way of checking back to see which vacant lot the R.P. meant. Central had radioed, He said thirty-seven near eleven, that's all. Reporting parties weren't known for triple-A directions to crime scenes. Already sweating, though it was just nine in the morning, Amelia Sachs pushed through a stand of tall grass. She was walking the strip search, what the crime scene people called it, an S-shaped pattern. Nothing. She bent her head to the speaker, Mike, pinned to her navy blue uniform blouse. Portable 5885. Can't find anything central. You have a further two— Through crisp static, the dispatcher replied, Nothing more on location, 5885. But one thing, the RP said he hoped the Vic was dead. K. Say again, Central? The RP said he hoped the victim was dead. For his sake. K. K. Hoped the Vic was dead? Sack struggled over a wilted chain link and searched another empty lot. Nothing. She wanted to quit. Call in at 1090 unfounded report, and go back to the deuce, which was her regular beat. 
Her knees hurt, and she was hot as stew in this lousy August weather. She wanted to slip into the Port Authority, hang with the kids, and have a tall can of Arizona iced tea. Then, at 11.30, just a couple of hours away, she'd clean out her locker at Midtown South and head downtown for the training session. But she didn't, couldn't, blow off the call. She kept going, along the hot sidewalk, through the gap between two abandoned tenements, through another vegetation-filled field. Her long index finger pushed into her flat-top uniform cap, through the layers of long red hair piled high on her head. She scratched compulsively, then reached up underneath the cap and scratched some more. Sweat ran down her forehead and tickled, and she dug into her eyebrows, too. Thinking, My last two hours on the street, I can live with it. As Sack stepped farther into the brush, she felt the first uneasiness of the morning. Somebody's watching me. The hot wind rustled the dry brush, and cars and trucks sped noisily to and from the Lincoln Tunnel. She thought what patrol officers...